there are a ton of YouTube videos about how to kiss. You can learn how to French kiss. You can learn how to like deliver a sensual kiss. Even if people are curious about like just upping their kissing game, I think there are Mm -hmm. resources now that didn't exist before for people. There's a YouTube video for everything. There's a YouTube video for everything. That's amazing. Yeah. Fix your oven. Learn how to make out. Like, it's all in the same place. There we go. YouTube University. (laughs) The kissing department. (laughs) Hey, we're back. And if you're listening to this on the day that it drops, happy Valentine's Day. This is KCRW's How's Your Sex Life? And I'm your host, Maisha Battle. Today, we're going to talk about love in all of its forms. And joining me is someone KCRW listeners already know, DJ and producer Tyler Boudreau. Thanks for being here, Tyler. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. So very good to have you here today. Uh, Before we get started with giving people some advice about their sex and dating and love lives, I want to ask you, how's your sex life? My sex life is great. Okay. I would call it capital G great. Okay. (laughs) That's good to hear. Um, I heard that you're newly married. Is that right? Yeah. Just got married in August. Okay. Yeah. So honeymoon phase, huh? Still in the honeymoon phase. I feel like we're still in the, we really did that phase, you know, like we look at pictures. We just watched our wedding video for the first time. And that was surreal because it was, it felt out of body in the moment. It felt like both in my body and very present, but also out of body and like so many things were happening. And so to see it from the videographer's standpoint, it was it was very uh, interesting and fun and just brought it all back to the we really did that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. I'm glad that you had a chance to sort of revisit that. And yeah, it takes time, number one, to like get those videos back and then to like feel emotionally prepared. (laughs) Right, right. Which I, I wasn't sure if we were emotionally prepared, to be honest. Yeah. Um, when we started seeing our first dance, I was like, do we really want to watch this? Is it too soon? You know, um, but we were actually digitizing it. It was a videotape. Oh, so okay. we had to watch it in order to get it digitized. And it was also a fun just revisit. You know, I think it was it was special, too, because we had just written our thank you notes. So we mm-hmm. were still in the in the gratitude of it all. And to see it um, from the videographer's standpoint, it was it was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, very much like prolonging that honeymoon phase. I love it. Exactly. Amazing. As you know, we are here to give the people some advice. And, you know, I'm not sure how comfortable you are giving people advice about sex and dating. What What do you feel like? I feel like I definitely love giving advice because I don't know if it's bragging, but I feel like I've had I lucked out in the game. And so I'm always talking with my friends. I'm always listening to them. I'm always like, you deserve better. I'm always, you know, <laughs> that's the advice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you definitely deserve better. Um, and I have a lot of friends that are on the apps and dealing with that. And so it's just being there for people and also guiding with with my own perspective and with, you know, what works for me. And I know it's not, nothing is perfect, but you know, it's all about what's perfect for you and what you can like navigate through. So yeah, I'm pretty comfortable. Okay. Well, I'm loving this perspective. Let's take a listen to our first question. And just a reminder, the questions you're hearing are voiced by actors, not the question askers. What's your take on the whole don't have sex for at least 12 dates rule if you want a long-term relationship? Yeah, your face maybe says everything. You're, you're, Twelve dates. <laughs> um, at first, I had to really think about what you what the question was because at first I thought it was twelve days, and then twelve dates. 
I feel like that's that's a long time in my opinion. But I think having a boundary for yourself and if it's not if it's not happening by the third or fourth date, I don't know if it will, you know? <laughs> I just, you know, um, yeah, 12 dates seems like a long time, especially you never know if that's like a month, you know? Right. Like, it's right. not like you're dating every week or every night. Um, not in L.A. Not in L.A. So, yeah, that's what I would say. 12 dates seems like a long time. Yeah. But definitely if you want to give yourself some time to learn a person, um, I think that's totally understandable. Yeah. My my main thing is like you can set some parameters for yourself. I like to go more on feeling. Mm -hmm. So some people might be like, I want to feel like I feel safe with this person or I trust this person enough to like be intimate with them in that way. Those are good like litmus tests as opposed to number of dates. Me personally, I had never heard this. Yeah. So I don't know. This question asker seems to think this is a general rule, but I'm here to tell them that like, I, I don't think this is a widely accepted no. rule. I've heard the three date that's rule. A, that's what I was going to say. I've heard three dates, which makes sense because, you know, I feel like the first day you're just getting to test the water. Second day, you're a little more comfortable. Third day, you can really kind of let, you know, your guard down a little bit if yeah. you are comfortable with that person. So I think it's measuring your comfort and, you know, obviously testing who they are and if you're attracted to that person. Yeah. I also have to say, too, I'm, I don't know the gender of this person, but I do know that, like, in heterosexual dynamics, there is this sort of idea that women are supposed to protect the sex that they're, like, quote unquote, giving out and that men are always in pursuit of that and that mm -hmm. you are devalued if you give that to the, quote unquote, wrong people right. or under the wrong circumstances. So I want to acknowledge that, like, that stigma is very real, not just for women, but I think, like, it's there. It's there for us um, in heterodynamics. But this question asker specifically wants to know, you know, how long should you wait if you want a long-term relationship, which I found really interesting, too. Mm -hmm. So maybe they have a different standard of, like, if I'm just hooking up with this person, it's one thing. If I'm, you know, trying to pursue somebody long-term, it's another thing. And I think those distinctions are okay to have. But again, I think they need to be personal yeah. distinctions. What do you think? Yeah, definitely a personal distinction. And I think if you're really trying to see if a person's compatible long-term, I think that does come with the sexual territory sometimes, you know, so I feel like if you're on 12 dates and then you're like, OK, I'm ready to go forward with this person and you're not into it, you know, that's that's almost uh, a lost opportunity. You could have been like exploring some other people. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that might be a long time. I agree. And you know what? I work with couples now who maybe waited to have sex or didn't think sex was like that big of a priority early on in the relationship. They built their foundation on something else. And they come to me because it's like the thing in the relationship that isn't quite working. Right. So, you know, that's something to think about, too, is like, well, if you get to that point with somebody and it, it doesn't automatically click, it doesn't mean that, you know, it's automatically bad. But yeah, waiting a long time and then finding out that it's bad. Right. That makes it harder. Because it's kind of like a language, right? Yeah, you're you're right. learning the language of yourself with this person. You're learning that person's language. 
So um, intimacy is important, you know, not even just like, you know, the act of sex. It's the whole intimacy around it and giving yourself to someone and being vulnerable. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, 12 dates and then you kind of open that door. You might have another 12 dates of being like, well, do I like this? <laughs> is this really what I want? You know? Yeah. Um, so I think that, that that's a long time. <laughs> I feel you. I think so, too. So go forth and have sex with people that you want to have sex with. That's my two cents about it. There we go. (laughs) All right, let's get into our next question. Hey, Maisha, I want to know, after how many dates would you have the exclusivity talk? Oh, kind of related. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I would say probably by the third or fourth date. To preface this, I am not in the dating world. (laughs) So, you know, I think that there are different experiences that people have with, let's say, it's different to meet someone in person through a friend. And you know that your friend can vouch for them like, you know, they're in your world versus like you meet them on an app and you're like just exploring the apps kind of life and trying to navigate that. I feel like you can't really measure them the same almost because if you are with someone that you met on an app, you might be three or four rounds of dating and then you're like, I'm not really feeling them, you know, so... it's hard to put a number on it, but I probably by the third or fourth day, I think you'd might want to be like, if you really like this person, you want to be with them and make sure that they're only with you or that, you know, you have this connection intimately one-on-one. Okay. Yeah. I have some thoughts. I think that like three dates feels soon, but I think around the third date is when people start to think about, oh, do I want to get off the apps mm-hmm. and just focus on this connection. Yeah. So I think that's that's like pretty common and depends on like when those three dates happen, right? Like, is that a once a month thing? So you've known that person for a, a month, but you're like talking in between, yeah. you know, and seeing each other and kind of developing a, an in-person connection, you know, who knows? But I think like you want to develop some amount of feeling like, this could be something I see yeah. potential in long term. Mm-hmm. Once you get to that point, I think it's fair to open that conversation up, but then be fully prepared for the other person to not be into that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, it's possible. They could be on the same wavelength. They could be like, OK, yeah, we've been talking for a while. This feels organic. This feels great. I do want to focus just on this and mm-hmm. let's be exclusive. But what I think tends to happen is... You say, let's be sexually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not having sex with anybody. That's like a reducing our risk of, you know. Outside. Yeah, outside influence, STIs, all of Mm -hmm. that. Maybe there's even a decision to, like, not use protection because you're both tested. So you want to, like, protect that space. Yeah, it's almost like a bubble that you're creating. Like, this is is our thing now. And, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, we know what's coming in and out. (laughs) Exactly. Literally. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then that's like one type of exclusivity. But, like, maybe you're still, like, going on dates with other people, seeing what's out there. You know, it's like this kind of semi-structured maybe situationship kind of thing where there's like an expectation of of each other but there's not that commitment yet yeah i think the commitment usually comes later you know when you're actually like saying now we're in a relationship right because if you're not on the same page if one person's like hey i'm having fun but that's all this is 
you know, then you're you understand where, you know, you have to measure your feelings and think about, okay, well, I am ready to go all in on this. So I think it's it's good to be on the same page, especially if you feel yourself falling for someone. Yeah. You know, I think that that's good to always be upfront about and just, you know, express your feelings, whether it's you're just having fun or this is getting really deep and I really want to explore this more and be exclusive with you. But so I think it's really feelings based, you know, it, it, is. it is. And obviously that's easier said than done yeah. <laughs> because you don't know by the fifth date if your feeling is um, I want to have fun or if it's just like you are a great person and I want to be with you. Yeah. yeah. Humans don't like to be in that gray area too much. No. So, <laughs> But that's what being, you know, that's what dating is. It, right. it's, it's being in the gray area for a while. And so you figure out, you know, what are we, who are we to each other and get all that sorted out. And like and you then, said, situationships. That's yes. literally a term that came from this gray exactly. area. Exactly. <laughs> then once it's defined, then you get into new gray territory. Exactly. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, now are we girlfriend? boyfriend are we dating each what other what are our terms yeah. <laughs> are we partners yeah do we introduce each other to our family yeah you know yeah it's yeah. All, all kinds of new fun i can stuff. tell you that having that conversation with my husband early in our relationship obviously was pretty funny because it was just like what do i call you yeah <laughs> that's literally what i asked him i was like what are you gonna tell your mom like about me and what do I tell my parents about you? Because we were spending Christmas together. It was like very early. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) It was was very early in our relationship that we just jumped in and, you know, it was, it was natural. It didn't feel like we were going too far or anything. I remember meeting his mom, like maybe the fourth time I ever met him. Mm. And I think for a lot of people that can be intimidating. It definitely felt like, oh my gosh, I'm about to meet this person's mother. He's the eldest son. Like, you know, there's a special relationship between mothers and their sons. So I was definitely intimidated. But I think just walking in the house, there was just like an ease that came over Mm. me and it was very natural. I'm picturing those moments on hometown dates on The Bachelor or Bachelorette. (laughs) That's what I have pictured in my brain of you meeting his parents. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, This is awesome. Thank you for that. And yeah, yeah, I want to also give space for people to like embrace that if the feelings are there, you can have exclusivity after date one. You could have exclusivity after 12 years. Who knows? Like, I think that relationships always have their own you know, organic pacing mm-hmm. and, you know, it's up to whoever's involved to decide when to solidify things and how they want them solidified. Right. Yeah. And you really don't know until you know. Yeah. Like you can map it out. You can say, I have these rules and boundaries for myself and you can write them on a piece of paper or have them <laughs> on a notes app and you can meet someone that can totally throw all of those boundaries away because it just feels natural and you feel yourself just naturally falling into it. And so obviously falling in love is a fall. Like you are generally like kind of overwhelming into a pool of emotions. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's weird, but it's natural yeah. when it happens. I love how you said that your boundaries can go out the window because what we tend to do is put up boundaries based on how we've been treated in the past. Right. Right. 
And when we meet someone who treats us the way we need to be treated, we don't have to have (laughs) those clear defined, like, I need this, I need that, I need all of these things because the safety is there. And I know that like all of us have been hurt. And so we put up these barriers and like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, guardrails to protect ourselves. And then I think it's in the process of like defining those things for ourselves that we actually can open doors to meeting people who will treat us the way we want to be treated. Right. Yeah. So it's like doing the legwork and thinking about how you want to be treated and then also just being available for the fact that like something completely different than what you're expecting is out there and possible. Exactly. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be taking a question from someone who needs advice about what to do about bad kissing. Ugh. Welcome back. Okay, so let's dig into this next question about bad kissing. I met a lovely woman and we had great chemistry. She brought a little gift to our first date and conversation was so easy. We went to kiss and it was bad, like really bad. Is there a responsibility to tell someone that they're not a good kisser, especially if you decide not to date them but do want to be friends? It's an interesting question. Yeah. I, I have thoughts. What do you uh, what do you so, think about this? The, I the think bad the, kisser. Yeah, I think the end of the question took me for a turn because if uh. you don't like if you want to continue kissing that person, then I definitely think it's it's a good responsible move to, you know, grab their chin and be like, Let me show you, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, show and tell. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But I do think if you want to just be friends with them or just give them a nudge I mean you can still kiss them and be like let me show you you know like let me help you out but I don't think you want to come from a place of I know best and let me you know like I think you want to help them improve without being a little too patronizing I'm not sure of the genders I don't want to say patronizing is like you know male to female but you know you don't want to come off like oh I know the better way to kiss than you you know like I think you want to um always want to help everyone improve and I feel like with that comes just kissing more (laughs) maybe they haven't kissed a lot you know maybe they aren't familiar too much so yeah I think practice makes perfect it's true it's true I think that like there's other things I want to know, like how bad, you know, like was this a style misalignment, which can happen, right? In that case, it's just like a personal preference. I don't like the way this person kisses. Or was it like, oh, just a weird out of left field technique um, that should never happen in the context <laughs> of a kiss, which yeah. does happen too. And I think sometimes people need that feedback um, of like, hey, that's um, that's an interesting way to to kiss uh what i like is xyz like you said the show and tell yeah but i don't know if there's a friend responsibility Mm -hmm. unless okay here's the one time when i think it's like appropriate is if this friend is kind of going on a string of first dates and just not making anything happen yeah and i've had a first date with them and can give them some feedback right it's like Listen, this was my experience. I don't know if it's other people's experience with you, but please don't, you know, take this the wrong way. Yeah. This is an area where I think there could be improvement, right? I think that's totally fair. And I feel like it it has to do with, like, you can tell when someone's, like, comfortable kissing. So if you can sense that 
they aren't really comfortable and, you know, maybe they have gone on a lot of first dates and aren't really kissing a lot, Yeah. then I think it is fair to be like, hey, you know, I think you could try this. Like, let's try this this time, you know, or like, let me show you how this can go. Or maybe that technique isn't really... um Great. (laughs) I don't know know how the how I think you have to navigate it according to what you want that friendship to look like. Right. Like if you want it to be more of like a just, you know, hey, pal, just by the way, you know, you could not put a lot of tongue in it. I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, I think it definitely it definitely matters about like what you want that friendship to look like because you don't have to say anything if it's just casual. Yeah. And you're going to watch Pokemon or something. You I know. agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Pokemon watching does not require making out. No, exactly. Not usually. It or, can. or any feedback on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to hang out with that person or if you want them to have a successful love life, then of course, I think it's fair to be like, look, maybe you can try this next time and mm-hmm. then show them. But you're going to have to show them if you're going to be like giving feedback. You know, I feel like you got to step up your game and, and show it. Well, yeah, I think it's great to have hands-on experience. If people feel uncomfortable doing that, as I have clients who are very new to dating, aren't quite sure where to start. I work virtually. Of course, I'm not going to kiss them (laughs) (laughs) as their coach. Um, So, you know, I've 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 dug into some resources on YouTube, which are really great. You know, there's even like different styles of kissing. You can learn how to French kiss. You can learn how to like deliver a sensual kiss. So even if people are curious about like just upping their kissing game, I think there are Mm -hmm. resources now that didn't exist before for people. There's a YouTube video for everything. There's a YouTube video for everything. That's amazing. Yeah. Fix your oven. Learn how to make out. Like, it's all in the same place. There we go. YouTube University. (laughs) The kissing department. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, let's dig into this next question about long-distance friendship. My friend group is pretty split up. We all live in different states, so it's hard to keep up. I try to stay connected with them by sending a funny meme or an inside joke over social media, but I feel like maybe it's not enough. Do you have any tips about how I can be a better friend? I love this question because I, too, am going through the same thing. Like, a lot of my college friends moved. Obviously, we all moved away from Boston, where we all went to college, and then like two of my best friends are actually out of the country. Mm. So I totally feel you, listener, out there. That It's real. It's real. And it, it hurts almost because you used to be like down the street or so close to your friends. And so the distance and the time can be so challenging. But I definitely think having, this is going to sound really funny, but having those meme conversations like they mentioned that does help because you just have a constant stream of communication that you don't have to get to at the same time you know it doesn't have to be a text exchange back and forth in real time you can just have a continuous flow of communication I do think being present for big moments obviously celebrating birthdays achievements asking about life updates and really setting times to call each other and being present on the phone and really deep listening and 
asking about each other's lives is so important because so many times you can call your friend and just vent. And that's a space that you want to hold for your friend to vent. But at the same time, you also want to be like, oh, well, here's what's going on in my life, you know, and here are some experiences that I've had and here are, you know, some new things that I wish you were a part of. So it's definitely a challenge, but communication and trying to find time to get on the phone and just be with each other. Yeah, I agree. I'm getting emo over here because I'm thinking about um, ways in which my friend supported me when my cat died Mm. earlier this year. Mm. And just getting, like, I got from two of my besties, independent of each other, I told them separately that my cat had died and got um, photos of them holding candles of, you know, for my cat. And, you know, just having those. (laughs) Sorry. That's sweet. Yeah. Um just having that sort of validation that they knew how important she was to me, um, you know, was so important. Um, So I agree with you. It's just, you know, it's what popped into mind of like, we think that those moments of connection are small Mm -hmm. because they're in this format that, you know, we're not used to communicating with our friends and they can be really impactful, actually. Um. You know, something else that I was thinking about is, like, I love a voice memo, you know? Mm. I love a voice text, hearing from my friends. I love hearing them just talking about random shit and then, like, yeah. hearing their laughter <laughs> yeah. in a voice track, Yeah, you know? That can be just so resonant mm-hmm. on the right day. I'm glad you yeah. mentioned that. And thank you for sharing about your cat. Yeah. That's that's real. <laughs> it's that's fresh. Real. Yeah. And it's, it's also... It's... It's a way that, you know, you can have people come together, even if it is just in a group chat Um, and just show love, too, you know, and that's important. And voice memos, hearing your friends' voices like, you know, it's easier said than done to hop on a phone call and get together in different time zones. Yeah. But having a voice memo, there's one friend who lives in Costa Rica, my best friend, and we basically go back and forth with voice memos. So we'll just have an update on a voice memo. And then it's just stream of consciousness. It's yeah. almost like a it's it's a voice letter almost. Yeah. And and then to get one back, it, it feels so exciting. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, I run away into a corner and I listen to it and I'm <laughs> laughing at myself. <laughs> and I get to hear their world, too. You know, like my friend in Costa Rica, I get to hear bugs and frogs in the background and I get to hear their environment or I hear, you know, my friend in New York City walking down the street yeah. and I hear so much like energy around them and so that's really it's it's beautiful to have a piece of your friend's world captured in a voice memo like I said it it helps with that stream of communication you don't have to feel like there's one place in time we can talk you know it's like we will keep talking and keep updating and just keep going so I think that that's a really good piece of advice too yeah I mean I have friends that I've been trying to like literally have a phone call with for like six months so (laughs) you know the best I can do sometimes is that meme and giving them you know little bits and snippets of my life and I think that like sometimes we just have to sort of like 
not only accept that that's what we have to give and that that's maybe what, you know, our friends have to give us at that moment, but also like looking for other resources, you know, it's hard yeah. to make new friends as an adult, yeah. but it is possible. It's definitely possible. Yeah. And I think another thing you have to remember, like whatever your love language is with your friends. Like I have friends that our love language is music. So we send each other music back and forth. Like, hey, I just discovered this song or I just went to this concert. Here's a snippet of me singing the whole song, <laughs> um, which I do a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um I think that that's important, too. Like if you cook with your friends and, you know, they moved away, you can be like, look what I cooked for dinner. Tell me, you know, send me a pic of your dinner. Things like that that really connected you. Just maintaining and nourishing that connection is important as well, because it doesn't have to be like, okay, we're going to try and talk on the phone and then, you know, I'm going to give you everything about my life for the past two months. It's like you can just give little bits and pieces along the way. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So I hope that this is helpful to this question asker. I think that like the small things add up and the bigger gestures, obviously we want to be there for our friends in those big moments and have them be there for us. And then, yeah, expanding your modes of communication. That's, you know, we have a lot of avenues to communicate these days. Well, Tyler, you're a music lover at heart, which I am too. So I'm curious to find out what your top three love songs are. So the first band that came to mind when you asked that question is The Sacred Souls. Mm. They're retro soul, beautiful voices, beautiful harmonies. And they have this song called Overflowing. And it's one of those songs that just like kind of takes your breath away. Like you hear it and it feels like it just feels like, you know, your lovers like wrapping you in their arms and just like (laughs) swaying along. Um, I heard it live in a backyard and (laughs) they performed and I really just like I was moved to tears by the live performance of it. And so I think that that carries every time I listen to it. It was one of the songs that we played during our wedding dinner, because Mm. it was just so, you know, love was in the air, everyone was feeling it. And just to have everyone kind of like chit chatting along and listening to this beautiful love song, it was really special. Magical. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. What are your other two? Okay, pull aside, we could be falling in love. Oh, okay. Just because Mm -hmm. it's it's more, it's it's an electronic song. Mm -hmm. It's very much kind of the whimsical, like, I could be falling in love, you know, like the sparks are in the air and you're not really sure you don't want to call it love. But, you know, that feeling of like we're vibing, we're on the same wave, like this could be this could be a thing, you know, and I think that's such a beautiful feeling. Like I said, it's whimsical and it kind of takes you for a ride. And I think that's what that song does. Yeah, as well. And then this last one is All Through the Day. It's by Los Los. And it's another retro soul kind of sound. And it really, really speaks to me because the line is, hands down, you're the best ticket in town. (laughs) And as someone that is always on guest lists and getting tickets to concerts, you know, of course, being with my husband is the best concert. It's the best show. So it's just a sweet song and just a line that really resonates with me. 
I love that. Yeah. Those are great recommendations and um Hopefully we will put those in the show notes so people can click through and listen and be inspired to feel the love. Always. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Tyler. That This has been so great. First episode where I've shed actual tears. Mm-hmm. And I said the season I wanted tears. I didn't know they would be mine. So <laughs> tell us where people can find you. Uh, you are out and about town, but where can they find you online? Um, listen to the show that you have here at KCRW. And also, if you're doing live events. Yeah, so you can find me on the airwaves every Thursday night on KCRW at 10 p.m. And I am online on Instagram at Boogie Boudreaux. And every last Friday of the month, come out to Gold Diggers. It's the Boogie Down. It's my monthly residency. And it's always a fun time. Actually, speaking of love, this last time at the Boogie Down, there was a lot of making out on the dance floor. <laughs> and as a DJ, you can only hope. Like, it was very, very sweet. And it's just, it's that atmosphere of not only are people getting down and grooving along to the music, but they're being vulnerable and opening themselves up to someone else. So it's really, really a great, great gift as a DJ to have that happen. They're finding connection at the boogie down. There we go. Mm -hmm. And you can too. (laughs) Last Fridays of the month at Gold Diggers. (laughs) Thanks, Tyler. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you need advice about sex, dating, or relationships, remember you can always reach out. Just drop me an email at sexlife at kcrw.org. How's Your Sex Life is a KCRW original podcast. Our producer is Andrea Bautista. Our executive producer is Gina Delvac. This episode was recorded by Phil Richards and mixed by Nick Lamponi. Our music was created by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Special thanks to Ariel Torres, Mallory McCall, Adam Serrano, Connie Alvarez, Arnie Seipel, and Jennifer Farrow. And last but not least, a huge thanks to our voice actors. We'll let them introduce themselves on their way out. I'm Megan Jamerson. Thanks for listening. I'm Lena Ransfer. Share this episode with a friend. This is Gina Delvac. Follow the show so you never miss an episode. I'm Robin Estrin. See you next time. <laughs>